0: So many of us go through life wanting more, believing if we just had more stuff, more things, more money, then we'd be happy. The problem is, we don't realize that what we have isn't who we are. Instead of trying to get rich, we must realize that we already are rich. So with God's help, it's time to be rich. In what matters most?
1: All right, how many of you would admit, boy, it sure would be nice to have a little bit if you know just a little bit more money, just raise your hand. be honest this morning. All right, the rest of you, we're just going to have to have an altar call after a while. Amen. All right. Well, we're in this series called "Being Rich in What Matters Most." And uh, I'm just so excited about what God wants to do through this series. I believe that it truly will be life-changing for you as it was for me. I came across uh, this uh, several years ago. Actually, Andy Stanley wrote a book called How to Be Rich. And uh, there's no way I can cover everything uh, in a sermon series. So if you want to learn more about the subject matter we're, we're dealing with in this series, you can pick up that book. Craig Rochelle has done a sermon series on it. And, and you know, when I first uh, uh, came across this material, it, it really stirred my heart and it changed my heart. And, and uh, I have a policy as your pastor, when something moves me, when something excites me, I want to pass it on and share it with you. Uh, I don't know if you ever uh, read comic books growing up. I, I don't even know. Do they make comic books anymore? That was the thing back then. We didn't have phones to look at while we traveled and uh, iPads and DVDs in the van. So we read comic books. I remember one summer uh, we visited a friend and they had a whole box. I mean, that box was this big, full of comic books, and they gave it to us because we were going to be traveling all summer long. I'll tell you what, I, I read enough back. Batman and Superman and Scooby-Doo to, to, you know, you could test me on it. I'd probably, I'd probably win trivia. But one of my favorite ones was Richie Rich. Anybody ever read, read Richie Rich? And uh, just all, uh, just dreaming through how you could just have anything you want. And what I really liked is they always had really cool techie stuff. You know, oh, that's really cool. They'll never be able to do that. Oh, yes, we can now, can't we? We never dreamed. so uh, But most people, they really want to be re- rich. But here's the thing. Most people who are rich don't really want to admit that they're rich. And here's what you may not know. Many are rich and they don't even know it. But here's the problem. Uh, the rich line gets moved. The, the rich line is a moving target where, you know, everybody's rich and everybody's line is in a different place. And, and so I kind of want to talk about that this morning. But before I do, I would like you to open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And I've included in your notes, if you open up your program, you'll see some notes in there. And we included the, the, uh, the out, in the, your outline the, the verses and some fill-ins and you can follow along. But I want to read to you from 1 Timothy chapter 6. I love 1 Timothy because it's a letter from Paul to Timothy as a pastor, and he's kind of he's kind of giving Timothy some very important notes of what he should say to his congregations. And so when I read the book of Timothy, I I kind of imagine it like this. Paul is saying, Hey Phil, you're a pastor. Maybe you ought to cover this stuff, right? You're a pastor. Maybe you ought to listen to this stuff. Maybe you should do this. And so as a pastor, I'm kind of listening to this as the Apostle Paul telling me as he was telling Timothy. And I hope you're listening as the congregation. It says this in verse 17, command those who are rich. So if you're rich, then this is speaking to you. Are you with me? Those that are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant. In other words, don't think that being rich is because of you. Nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Watch this. Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way... They will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation. Everyone say firm foundation. A firm foundation for the coming age. How many of you know we need a firm foundation? Amen? Amen. So that they may take hold. Everyone say take hold. They may take hold of the life that is, watch this, that is truly life. Underline those two words and circle them. Truly life. You see the apostle Paul is saying, Timothy... Let the people know that if they want to live, if they want to truly live, they've got to understand the right paradigm, the right, the right uh, understanding of what rich really is. Now I want you to notice something here. The Bible did not say that being rich is bad. The Bible, that in, in any way, doesn't, doesn't say money is bad. In fact, a lot of people get that really mixed up. They say, you know, money is the root of all evil. The Bible doesn't say that at all. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. You can have as much money as you want as long as God is first. So I just want to establish that right off the bat. I want to make sure you know that there's nothing wrong with being rich. And that's going to be really important in just a little bit. So I want you to remember that. So what I want to do is I want to try to help us define what we mean by rich. What is rich? Let's try to get our minds wrapped around what the word rich really means. Now, Gallup Poll did a survey... And they asked uh, different people in different uh, income brackets, what would you consider rich? And the outcome was pretty interesting. They asked some folks that were making 30000 a year. And they said, now what would you consider to be rich? And they said, well, if I could make, the average answer was, if I could make about $74,000, then I would be rich. I can remember that when I first started pastoring and and I remember the the salary package that I have, wasn't a whole lot. I actually had to work a second job. And I can remember if I could just make enough so that I didn't have to have a second job, then I would be rich. Well, that was before I had kids. So every time I added a kid, I said, I had to move the line a little bit, right? Well, now I got to buy diapers and formula. So maybe that wasn't rich, maybe rich. And the, the line is always moving. I found it interesting that they asked people that make $50,000 a year, what would you consider rich? And their answer was, well, if I made $100,000 a year, then I would be rich. And isn't it interesting that the line is moving? Basically, rich is typically defined by saying, what is rich? Well, it's more than I have, right? In fact, if I were to ask you, what would be enough money in your, in your mind? What, if, you, if you could have enough money, what would it be? Or if you could be rich, I think probably most of us in here say, well, I know one thing, it's more than I have. And so we have to be very careful to determine where that rich line is, because it's kind of difficult. Rich is A moving target and some of you might be making more money than ever before and years ago you may have said you know what when I get to this certain amount then I'm gonna feel rich and now you're making that amount and you're going you know I don't feel so rich you know I I don't know what I was thinking back then I, I I don't feel so rich here's the problem if you don't feel rich you won't act rich and if you don't act rich You'll just keep trying to get rich, but you'll never be rich because rich is a moving line. So this morning, I've entitled my sermon, Good News, Bad News. I've got some good news for you and bad news for you. Which one do you want first? Well, I'm going to give you the good news first because it's in your notes that way, all right? Understand that this news is so good. I'm convinced that this news is so good that if you will grab a hold of it, it will be life-changing for you. Now, I'm not just saying that to get you excited. I'm not just saying that to, to build some momentum. I really, really can tell you that if we can wrap our minds around this good news, it will be something that will change your life. So are you ready? You got your pens ready? Write this down. Here's the good news. You are rich. You are rich. Come on, tell the person beside you, you're rich. (laughs) Now listen, you need to believe this. Why do I say that we're rich? Because we have rich people opportunities. We live in a country where we have rich people opportunities. If you're a parent, you have the opportunity to expose your kids to every book probably that's ever been written. You can just take them right down to the library and for free... You can read books and you can check out books and act like you own them for as long as you want, you know, and you just keep checking them out. Make sure you recheck them because those librarians, I mean, they're, they're mean, they'll, they'll check up on you. They'll, they might start charging and then it's a mess. I'll never forget uh, back when we would rent from Blockbuster, you know, I could have bought the movie if I would have just taken, you know, by the time I remembered to take the thing back, right? But we paid it and said, oh, you know, but, but. Because we're rich. You can take your kids to the zoo. You can get them into activities. You can, you can get them in sports. You can get them uh, uh, into, uh, into music lessons or all of that thing. In fact, we're so rich that we won't even wash our own car. We'll, we'll save the half hour and go and drop three or five bucks to just drive through and let someone else do it. Amen? I mean, most of you here have enough money, really, to help somebody who is in need. Someone who can't afford a meal like we can. What am I saying? We have rich people opportunities. And this is, listen, very, very good news. In fact, when you recognize this is a gift from God and that He has blessed you in a very significant way, it changes your heart, it changes your whole outlook. I want you to look at Ecclesiastes 5.19. It says, Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability, watch this, underline this, the ability to enjoy them, this is a gift of God. If I didn't miss my guess, probably everybody in this room and everybody watching online, sometime this past week, have enjoyed something that you've been blessed with as a gift from God. Now, I'm aware that times are tough, and we just address this. You know, we're, we're going through difficult times, perhaps the most difficult times, uh, some of us in our whole lifetime. I never dreamed that we'd be dealing with a pandemic Uh, at all let alone clear into now and and maybe into next year and 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 dealing with all of the all the ramifications of that and everything that's happening i understand that i understand it has caused some to be unemployed i understand there are single parents that are struggling because they're either going through a hybrid or or a homeschooling and and their whole life has been turned upside down i understand that and i'm not belittling that at all i'm not saying i'm not saying that that's not significant because it is But I understand also that a lot of us miss the blessings that we do have. Most of us are going to leave here in our climate controlled car. And we're going to go to a restaurant after we pass by 15 or 20 other restaurants. Because we can't decide which food we want. Kind of like growing up, we could never go anywhere where my dad had eaten the past week because every restaurant, he only ordered one thing. And if he wasn't in the mood for that one thing, we weren't going to that restaurant. We had to pick something else. <laughs> but some of us, you know, we'll go out to eat and we'll snap a picture of our food and we'll put it on Snapchat and Instagram and Twitter and, and, and we'll, 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 we'll throw it onto our, our Facebook. And all the while we're complaining because our phone has no signal and the Wi-Fi is terrible. Amen? I heard a comedian talking about being on a plane and he said uh, the guy beside him was trying to fiddle with his phone and and, uh, the the steward came by and said, "Uh, you're going to have to put your phone on airplane mode, but good news, this is when this just came out. We have Wi-Fi on the plane now, so you can leave your phone on and use Wi-Fi. Oh, that's awesome! All right, Wi-Fi. I can't believe it. That's so cool. So now I can do some stuff while I'm on the plane. So he said they got up in the air, and all the guy did sitting beside him is complain because oh, this Wi-Fi is so slow. I can't believe this Wi-Fi is so slow. And he said, "Dude, you just now found out there was Wi-Fi on a plane." And did I mention? We're on a plane. We're flying 30,000 feet above the earth. Come on. Can we just be happy for a minute? Amen. What I call these is, is I call them first world problems because a lot of times we kind of suffer from that, don't we? In fact, I brought a little video along to explain that. Watch this with me.
0: I never had it easy. When I was a kid, my friends were getting GI Joe and Stretch Armstrong. What did I get? Lincoln Logs. I had to put my toys together. I never got to find out what was inside of Stretch Armstrong, because I never had one. My first car, minivan. I was the head of the town with that thing. My first video game console, Atari 1600. I didn't get another gaming system until I got a PlayStation. At my graduation, all my friends were getting cars. I'm expecting a brand new car. What did I get? A top rider. Really? A top rider? And now, all those years of college, look where I've ended up. My car has leather seats. So when I get in in the summer, it burns my legs every day. Kills me to think about it. My wife, air-conditioned seats in her car. When I go to Olive Garden, they shove these breadsticks in front of me. Of course, I eat it all. I can't even finish my pasta. Not only that, I asked for Dr. Pepper. She said we only have Mr. Pip. I had to choke that down. Probably get an ulcer. And I swear every time I'm at Starbucks, the person in front of me gets the last blueberry muffin. What do I end up getting? A biscotti. I don't even know what those are. I just know they scratch my throat. I'll probably get an infection. Thanks for four (laughs) bucks. Just this morning, poured a bowl of frosted flakes. Didn't check to see if we had milk, we didn't. Yeah. I know what suffering is.
1: So when we watch that, why do we chuckle? I'll tell you why. Number one, because we relate. And number two, we see that that's really not a problem, right? It's really not a problem. But we look at things and we look around us and we forget that life really isn't as easy for us as it is for many others, or as life is easier for us than it is for many others. And uh, the, I was thinking the other day about how a third world uh, countries must talk about rich people. And they must say things like, you know, they, they own a car. They, and some of them even own two cars. Did you know that only 3% of the population of this world own a car? And I mean, they drive these cars and they, they go to these places where you can eat and they pass, I don't know, 15 places because like I said earlier, they're fighting over which place they want to go. And when they finally do go, they sit down to eat and they order. Oh, really? They order? What do they order? Oh, they order these awesome meals. But before that comes, they order what's called an appetizer. Oh, an appetizer. That's cool. What's that? Well, that's kind of, that's what you eat before you eat. Whoa. What do you mean what you eat before you eat, right? And you, are, oh, you're talking about dessert. That, that's what you eat. No, no, this, that, we save room for that and we order that too, right? They, they save room for the, the, the dessert after eating the appetizer. They walk into their closets and, and they've got all kinds of outfits and they say, I've got nothing to wear. Huh? I won't ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you said that this week? I've got nothing to wear. Now, when I said rich probably none of you said yep that's me because we get caught up in this thing i'm not rich how many of you ever your parents took your kids to chuck e cheese when you were growing up when they were growing up huh chuck e cheese and did they you know you you kind of steer them towards uh, pac-man and and well they don't have pac-man anymore i just dated myself thank you very much my favorite game (laughs) pac-man that was a game that they would have in this store, and you would go in and you put a quarter in, kids, and you'd play. And, and uh, I say Pac-Man, I I could live on a quarter for an hour and a half. They didn't like that, so they would steer us toward the skee ball and and uh, those kind of things were the, were the little tickets spit out. You remember those games? And, and uh, you know, they, they're like, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> and they'd hit one of the holes and, and a couple tickets would come out. And, oh, that's good. Hey, look, daddy, I got two tickets. And finally we go, scoot over, son. Let me, let me help you know how to do this, right? And so we take it and we're like, come on, come on, bring it. Show me the money. Show me the money, right? And by the time we're done, I mean, we've got tickets spitting out so many tickets. I mean, we don't know what to do with all these tickets, right? And all of a sudden we're rich, huh? How many of you know? That that makes you feel rich at Chuck E. Cheese, right? <laughs> and then we go up to the counter and say, I got all these tickets. We got all these tickets. We're rich, we're rich, we're rich. What can we get? And they've got a stuffed animal behind the counter that's the size of three states, right? Come on. There's no way it's even gonna fit your car. And they say, Daddy, can I get that stuffed animal? I don't know. Well, let's see. Let's turn all these tickets in. And we turn away. ma'am. what can I get with these tickets? And you hand them to her. And she says, well... I've got this, <laughs> right? Well, wait a minute. I, I, I felt pretty rich just until that time, right? But here's the thing. As we saw in the video, two bucks most of the world lives on, $2. $2, think of it. Close to three billion people live on $2 a day. And when we look at $2, we can look at it in one of two ways. We can either say, that's nothing. Or we can say, that's a blessing. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The survey continued the Gallup poll. And 33, or, or... the people that make an average, and this is actually the median average income of this area that we live in, the people that make $33,000 or more a year are in, write this down, the top 1% of wage earners in the world. Think of that for a moment. If you're blessed and lucky and, 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 and joyful enough to make 80000 or more, you're in the top 10% of 1%. That's point. wage earners in the world. So if you're gonna be rich, you first gotta admit that you're rich. So I want you to say it out loud with me. I'm rich. Are you ready? I'm rich. Come on, say it out loud, nice and bold. I'm rich. Come on, say it out loud, church, online, everybody. Come on, say it. I'm rich. Now tell the person beside you, you're rich too. Would you tell them? Now, did that make you feel uncomfortable? I'll tell you why. Because we feel guilty saying we're rich. We should not feel guilty. We need to feel blessed. And by the way, we shouldn't apologize for the blessings that God has brought. Listen, I'm the first one. I'm the worst at this. The first thing I I feel like I have to do when I get something new or get something new to me is is tell them how good a deal I got on it. Because we're all kind of embarrassed by the blessings. But I've got to work on myself with that because we should not be embarrassed by the blessings that God has given us. Amen? Amen? But the first step we have to admit is we are rich. So write this down, then I wanna say it out loud together. God has blessed me with more than I need, I'm rich. Write that down in your notes. God has blessed me with more than I need, I am rich. All right, you got that? Let's all say it out loud, nice and loud, you ready? God has blessed me with more than I need, I'm rich. The good news is you are rich. Amen. You ready for the bad news? Don't get ahead of me. How many of you already guessed it? The bad news is this. You're rich. Write that down. Last week we looked at Mark 10 and the story of the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, what must I do to gain eternal life? You remember Jesus started naming off the 10 commandments. And if you will do these things, and and, and he says, I'm doing all these things in my life. What what else do I need to do? And you remember Jesus said, oh, so the issue is not you keeping the rules. The issue is not you doing the right thing. The issue is that your money is getting between you and God. You have made money your God. You have not allowed Allowed God to be your God. And he said, if you will sell all that and give it to the poor and follow me, then you will have eternal life. Now, Jesus was not saying that everybody in this room has to go home and sell everything that you own and give it to the poor. What he was saying to this man is, you have allowed the love of money to become your God. You have allowed the love of money to become a stumbling block in your walk with Jesus. Now, I mentioned last week that this story is told in three different books of, of the Bible. I want you to look at Luke chapter 18, because Jesus said something very sobering to his disciples after this story. And he looked at, he looked at them, and verse 24 said, How hard it is for the rich to enter, enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom. The kingdom of God. Now he didn't say it was impossible and many say he wasn't talking literally about the eye of a needle that we sew with but that the eye of a needle was actually a, a, a pathway in, in those days when it was very hard for the camel to make it through and they would have to get down on their knees and they would have to crawl through and, and a lot of scholars say they think that's what he was talking about because he did not say it was impossible but what he was saying is it's very difficult because there are some there are some disadvantages to being rich. So first we've established that we're all rich. Now we understand there's some problems with being rich. So let me give them to you quickly. Are you ready? The first one is it's harder for you to depend on God when you're rich. We're busier, we have more demands, we have more options, we have more vacations, we become discontent. We literally are complaining about the vacation that we're on while we're on it because it's not better than it was and not realizing that we're actually on vacation and not at work. How many of you know vacation in, in uh, Cleveland would be great if I don't have to work? Amen. Come on, huh? How many of you know maybe even a vacation to Michigan would be all right as long as I don't have to work? Come on, huh? Yeah. Well, I got a couple of you there. But what do we do? We take a break and we complain. It's harder for us to depend on God when we're rich. You know, we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We go to the cabinet and it's full of bread. We have our health. We have our family. We have our blessings. And we forget that we need to depend on God. Secondly, it distracts us from true priorities. We become busier we become, uh, uh, there's more options, there's more things that happen. Uh, When I go to Amish country, uh, I almost feel jealous, don't you? You know, just like, boy, that life is so simple. What would it be like? I wouldn't have to have a phone, I wouldn't have to have a computer, I wouldn't have to go on Facebook, I wouldn't have to do any of that. i just get up and feed the horses and go home and have some eggs, amen? I think sometimes the simplicity is a little easier than the complexity. And then, if you're taking notes, you have a greater responsibility. One of the problems of being rich, Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is expected. So we have a greater responsibility. God has blessed me with more than I need. And I am rich. God has blessed us. But you know, wealth is deceitful. Wealth lies to us. Money lies to us. We tell ourselves, if I can just get a bigger stack, then it'll be okay. So we add to the stack. Go, wow, yeah, now well, maybe that's okay. Or, maybe that's all right. Well, maybe I'll, maybe then I could do this. Maybe I, could, I could go there and go there and I just keep adding to the stack and adding to the stack and adding to the stack. And the stack gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But what do we do? Every time the stack gets a little bigger, we're like, boy, if it could just be what? A little bigger. If it could just be a little more. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells the story of the sower. I did a sermon series on this early on in my ministry called Birds, Boulders, Briars, and Believers. The sower sowed seed on the hard soil, and the birds came and took it away. Then the sower sowed seed on the stony soil, the boulders, and it didn't take root, and the sun choked it out. Then he sowed seed on the thorny soil, and the thorns choked it out. Then he sowed it on the good soil, and it grew and prospered. Let me just pull out what Jesus said about the thorny soil. In verse 18, he said, Now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They're the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world. And then he stops and he explains what he means by that. The deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enters in to choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful. In other words, the the deceitfulness of riches has come into our life and said, you know what? If I'll just work harder, if I'll just do more, if I'll just be more busy, if I'll be more, if I could just make more money, then I can make my kids happy. I can make my family happy. I can be happy. And we find ourselves with a handful of tickets and it's not nearly what we expected it to be when we get there. Right? Write this down. Here's what I know. The world wants you to serve money. The world desperately wants you to serve money. How do you know? Just turn on the television. Did you know that an hour show is not an hour long? An hour show is about 40 minutes long. You know how I know that? Because I have Hulu, no commercials. (laughs) And it doesn't say one hour. It says 40 minutes. And we've had Hulu for a long time while the kids were growing up. We had Hulu and TiVo. We skipped all the commercials. And I, can't, I, I, I remember one time we, we were watching something and it had commercials. And, and the kids went, dad, dad, leave it on, leave it on. This is awesome. It's like they were watching a mini movie. They'd never seen anything like that. I'm like, Well, why is there 20 minutes of commercials? That's the only, listen to me, that's the only reason there's a show, so they can hook you into watching the commercials, so you will spend your money, and so you will, they will make more money, and they will get your money. The world wants you to serve money, and they're going to prove it everywhere you turn. They're going to sell you things, they're going how, how many letters have we gotten in the mail? Your auto uh, insurance, your auto coverage is about to expire, you better call us now, right? Give us, give us, give us. Mark 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now write this down. I believe that money is the number one competitor for your heart. I believe that it's doing everything it can to pull us away from God and our family and what's important. Because money promises two things. It promises, first of all, happiness, write that down. If you had more money, you'd be happy. If you just had a little bit more, then you'll be happy. If you get that promotion, you'll make more money. If you make more money, then you'll be happy. But then when we get the promotion and we make more money, we're not happy. So we want another promotion. We want to go to another job. We want to do this. If you're putting your hope for happiness in money, you're going to be miserably disappointed over and over and over again. And you understand that. Many of you know that. And then secondly, it promises what it cannot provide, and that is security. So what do we do? We buy stuff that we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. And then we just go do it again and again and again and again. We cheat on our taxes. We download illegal stuff. We lie about our kids' age so we can get the kids' meal at the restaurant. <laughs> no, Johnny really is only eleven. He really is only eleven. Well, why is he six feet tall? <laughs> well, he had a he had a growth spurt. He had a growth spurt. Yeah, he, when he was ten, he was only like this. He had a growth spurt. He was, what are we saying? We're saying we're putting, our, we're putting our future in saving a buck. We're putting our future in, in saving another dollar, making sure that we can squeak by. We fight to move up the ladder at the expense of our family, right? And money promises, if you'll do that, you're going to be happy. But everybody knows when you get to the top of the ladder, there's no happiness. There's just frustration because we find ourselves lonely and hurting and struggling. I've told you about the $7 million home that Crystal and I lived in. Now, we weren't the owners. We were caretakers, but it was a beautiful home. We were very blessed. It was right on the ocean there in South Florida. What I don't know if I did tell you is they finally sold that house, and uh, we moved to a different job. We actually entered into the pastoral ministry right from there, and uh, they sold that house. And so uh, I, when we would go back down and visit South Florida, I would want to show... The kid's the house, and so I would always drive by and, 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 and we 'd look at it. And, and uh, one time we went by and drove by, and I knew it was the right address, but there was nothing there. It was literally just a, just a flat, sandy surface. You could see right to the ocean from the road. I said, that must be the wrong address. It'd been a long time since I'd lived there. So I must have forgot the address. So I drove up and looked. No, that, I'm pretty good at remembering landmarks. So I go back by. No, that's got to be it. And there was this guy in a pickup truck sitting on the property. So I just pulled in. And I said, excuse me, sir, is this where the Browns used to live? Yep. Well, what happened? Well, they finally sold the house. Yeah. And the people lived in it for about a year. Okay. And they decided they didn't like the decor. So they just tore it down. They're going to build another one. And it was right then that I realized it doesn't matter how rich I am. If I'm depending on that to make me happy, I will never, ever be happy. First Timothy six seventeen and 18. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, But to put their hope in God, who richly provides, right? Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. So we're going to continue that sentence that we filled out a little bit ago. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. Now we're going to add to that. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides people who love uh, uh, for them that uh, richly provides. Okay, so let's say that out loud together. You ready? I accidentally read the next line, but you have it there on your screen. Read it with me. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. I will not trust in riches, but in him, or I'm sorry, let's go back one. There we go. I'll get it here for a minute. You guys got it right the first time and I got it wrong. Start at the top. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. I will not trust in riches, but in Him who richly provides. It only took me three times. That wasn't bad, right? How many of you know that's true this morning? Well, here's what I found about people who love and trust money Number one, it's never enough. It's never enough. You ask, how much money do you need to be totally secure? We'll probably say, well, more than I have. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Later on, we moved back down to South Florida, and as you know, we, we pastored there, and we planted a church there, and and uh, I was so excited about living in Florida because I love to have the wind in my hair, and so uh, we, it was time for us to to replace one of our vehicles. And I bought a, a Mustang. Convertible. I mean, I was so excited about this. Now, understand, it was about 12 years old when I bought it, but I didn't care because the top went down, and I could drive around and have the wind in my hair, and I was so excited, and, and uh, I got a good deal on it, right? Oh, wait, we're not supposed to say that. God bless me with it. And I, I was driving down the road one day, and I was just thanking God, and just, boy, I tell you, it was like one of those perfect Winter days in South Florida, right? And I had just been to church and had a, we'd had a great service and I came out and, and I took the long way home and I put the top down. I was saying, Lord, thank you. for I am so blessed. I can't believe how much you blessed me. Thank you for allowing me to have this. And, and, and this is so, I, I just love being able to go down the road in this convertible and I pulled up to a red light and, 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 and I was in the straight lane and, and this car pulled up to me in the turning lane and it was a brand new, new, shiny, GT Mustang convertible. And I looked over and I go, wow, that's nice. And God said, oh, that's how you are, huh? <laughs> and he said, two seconds ago, you were happy with what you had and now you're wanting that. And I had to ask God to forgive me. Yeah, that was beautiful. But I was thankful for the blessing that I had, right? And if we always live in that whole mode that the grass is greener on the other side, will never be happy. Proverbs 18:11: "The rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be high, a high wall of safety. I also find that those who are putting their trust in money find it increasingly difficult to give big. They'll say things like, "Well, I, I will tithe when I can afford it. If I give, there might not be enough for me. It, you know, when I get through college, when I pay up my college bills, then, then, I'll, be, then I'll give big. When I get to this point, and, and, and what happens is we begin to suffer what I call destinationitis. And we always have this thing out in front of us that once I get there, then I'll be happy. Once I get to this place, then I'll be happy. And the stack gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and it gets harder and harder to give. In fact, I have found that the higher the stack gets, the harder it is for us to give. You remember the story of the poor widow who just gave a couple cents. and Jesus said she has given everything. Her gift is greater than any other gift. So how can that be? What's what's God going to do with that? It's not about the gift. It's about the giver. God has a willing heart. And he's looking at us and he's saying, I want you to understand that your trust has to be in me. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 2. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up, watch this, in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. You see, they understood that where I am is a place where I can give Then those who put their trust in money have money in the bank but no peace in their hearts. You say, is that really possible? Yes, it is. I've seen it time and time again. A guy comes to the pastor. They'd been friends for a long time and they were golf buddies and and, uh, early on in their relationship is when this young man got saved, got saved under the pastor's ministry and he was just getting starting in business. And, and uh, he said, you know, pastor, as I read God's word, I see that I really, I really need to be tithing on my income. I don't make much. And the pastor said, it's not about that. It's equal giving. It's, it's not equal giving. It's equal sacrifice. That 10% is across the board. That's the beauty of it. He said, well, I'm going to tithe. God began to bless him, began to bless his ministry. Or bless his business. His business began to grow. He began to make more money and make more money, and and uh, he was blessing God and blessing the church. And one day, though, he came to the pastor. and said, "You know, Pastor, I don't think I can pa- I don't think I can tie the whole ten percent anymore." And the pastor said, "Why not?" He said, "Well, I just need you to pray for me that God will, you know, bless me more because that's ten percent is a lot of money. That's, I mean, ten percent of what I'm making now. I mean, it's that, that that's a lot." And the pastor said, "Okay, I'll pray I'll pray for you." He said, "Okay." He said, "Dear Lord." Please help this gentleman to make less money. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait! Don't pray that. Well, well, I don't want you to be in a place where you can't give. <laughs> but isn't it interesting that in humble beginnings, if we're generous, God will bless us, and if we continue on, He'll continue to bless us. Proverbs five sixteen: Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. I just want you to think about that for a moment. Better a little bit in living in the fear of the Lord than great wealth and living in turmoil. Perhaps you're at a place now that you wished you'd been and it doesn't feel like you're rich. A lot of us earn more than our parents even dreamed of. We're under financial pressure. We don't know what to do. God says, Don't trust that. Trust me. Then we see people that are making like a third that we have, and they've got no financial pressure. They don't feel any pressure. Why? Well, because money has deceived us. We find ourselves saying, The more we get, I'm just going to spend it. I'm here to tell you that money is not going to help your kids get off drugs. Money is not going to heal your friend's cancer. Money is not going to give you a better marriage. Money is not going to give you happiness. Money is not going to give you security. So really, do we need more money? Or do we need more Jesus? Think of it. Command those who are rich not to be arrogant god has blessed us with more than we need we are rich but we will not trust in riches but in him who richly provides now some of you are thinking today all right pastor must be gonna raise money for the church or something talking about money again no i'm not You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do a couple things. The first thing I'm going to do, I think they'll both surprise you. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to brag on you as a congregation. I could not be more proud of how generous that you have been over the last several months in your giving to the ministry of Capital City Church. I will tell you, it does make the board meetings a lot easier when God's people are faithful and you have been faithful and I'm thankful for that so I'm not even doing this message series because the church needs your money I'm not I'll just tell you a little secret there is a blessing that comes and I know a breakthrough spiritually that if we get a hold of this it will change our life forever forever So that's the first thing I want to tell you. The second thing might surprise you a little more. Because I am going to encourage you to give over and above your regular giving and tithe. But not for this church. I have a vision for this series for us to take or receive a Thanksgiving offering. And anyone that's watching online, I would love for you to participate in this. And the thanksgiving offering is not going to go to us it's not going to go to me it's not going to go to this church i would like for us to raise money for another church so i'm asking malcolm and cindy to come for just a second a couple weeks ago church on como was here and they shared their vision and what they're doing in ministry and how they're helping the people in the street and the ladies in the street and they're helping them get them off the street the sex trafficking and all of that and they're and they're ministering to them and they're housing them and you know what as a blessed church we have one of two options we can either look at a church that's more blessed and bigger and say boy if we can just get there we'll do something no 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 we need to say god has blessed us we are rich who can we bless And I can't think of any other than one of our daughter churches, Church on Como. And so I asked Malcolm and Cindy, come on up here to just share very quickly. I know they are very strong supporters of Church on Como. Uh, Cindy is actually on the board at Church on Como. And what I want us to do over the next couple weeks as we go through this series is to pray about how we can generously give as a church. And I want us all to participate. It could be a dollar, it could be $2, $200. It's not equal giving. It's equal sacrifice. For some, a dollar is more sacrifice than someone else, a hundred dollars. So I'm not putting a, a limit on it. I'm not saying how much. I'm just saying I want us to pray about it. Would you just share from your heart the importance of this ministry again and remind us?
2: Thank you, Phil, for sharing your heart on this. And thank you, everyone who has a heart for what is going on in our community. I couldn't be prouder to serve on the board at COMO for the work they're doing in our community. Um, they say their focus, uh, Compassion Outreach Ministries of Ohio, is what it stands for. So it's an acronym, COMO, and they say their focus is on addiction recovery, victims of human trafficking, and our inner city. And so when Taylor spoke on human trafficking, that is the work that goes on in the drop-in centers. And when Tim talked about the Church on Como and the addiction recovery program, they have a many-pronged focus. I like to give to them because it's true, you may have heard, everyone knows an addict. Every one of us, in some way, our lives has been touched by someone struggling with addiction of some form. And for me, it's great to know I can contribute to those people who want to become whole again, who want to contribute to our communities and get back to the lives and their families that they knew before addiction. And that to me is very meaningful. I think we all want our lives to count for something. And And so I know God has blessed me with a sound mind and a healthy body. And He has blessed me in working through the people who really want to change. For those who are in poverty and can't find a way out, I can certainly donate my time at the center to help organize the clothing they're going to give out. I can certainly donate money to the program to pay for the laundry detergent so they can do the laundry for these folks who are living on the streets, or living on porches, or living in cars. For me, I am able to stand in the gap and say, I see you. And your life matters yes. don't give up yes. and those are all small ways the human very human struggles we all deal with that we can give back that i can give back and i encourage you to consider giving back i prefer to give to como than to goodwill because it is faith-based it is a sister church of ours and uh, i feel they do better with the resources as a whole in just giving it and not selling it they don't receive any government monies this is all based on what the believers can do and isn't that the hands and feet of Jesus Amen.
3: There, there's hardly anything for me to say but I will find something to say <laughs> uh, when we're saved we're saved by faith but the Spirit opens our eyes to The world around us and uh, in Matthew it says for I was hungry and you gave me food I was thirsty and you gave me drink I was a stranger and you welcomed me I was naked and you clothed me I was sick and you visited me I was in prison and you came to me Then the righteous will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, feed you, thirsty and give you drink? Or when did we see a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison? And the king, our president, will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did it from one of these, my brothers, you did it. To me I'm uncomfortable sometimes with what we saw a couple weeks ago but I can be the hands and the feet of Christ and I can feed those and comfort those through Como so that's a big reason why we do it we're not always really comfortable going down face to face But if we can support it with our finances, we are doing truly what Christ has called us to do.
1: Amen. 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 Thank you, Malcolm and Cindy. And we're just so uh, grateful for your investment in this ministry. And this is uh, one of our missions. And you have to understand that part of our vision as a church is community transformation. And this fits right in with that. So I, I know that you didn't come prepared this morning to give towards this ministry. And in fact, I would like for you to pray about it for a couple of weeks and say, Lord, Crystal and I are praying about what we will give towards this uh, Thanksgiving offering. You know, years ago, we used to do a, a food drive and we'd have canned foods all up front. Any, any of you ever did, been at a church that did that before and, uh, with Corona and all that? Some that's kind of difficult but we can support them. And I think this would be a great Thanksgiving offering, a way to bless someone who is blessing others. And church, we are rich. We need to share that with those in need. Amen. Amen. Our ushers are coming forward at this time. I just want you to bow your heads as I pray for the offering. Lord, thank you for this moment. Thank you for your many, many blessings. Thank you, Lord, that we can come to you and know that you are our daddy that you care about us, that you love us. Lord, that you're never caught off guard, you're never overwhelmed. Lord, you're always there. Father, right now, we just come to you with our hearts wide open. We give to you because we're blessed people and we wanna bless you and bless your kingdom. And as we pray about this this Thanksgiving offering to uh, bless this awesome ministry here uh, on the streets of Columbus, I pray dear God that you would stir our hearts to be generous for what from what you've blessed us with. And we just pray this, bless this offering in your for your sake. we pray in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Is there receiving the offering today? Uh, I just want to mention that we have something very coming up exciting coming up on that same Sunday uh, on November 22nd we're going to have another baptism. How, how great is that? Come on, hey. Amen. Uh, You know, I love it when it's someone else's idea, when they come to me and say, Pastor, I want to be baptized. And I think that's awesome. And do you know that last Sunday, that we know of, uh, some may have uh, been uh, prayed the prayer online that we're not sure of, some might not have filled out their card, but that we know of, at least four people last Sunday gave their heart and life to Jesus Christ. And I think we need to give God a praise for that. Amen. Amen. Folks, that's why we're here. We're going to continue to present the gospel and to preach the gospel and share the love of Jesus. And uh, we're just so excited about uh, what God is doing. So if you know anybody that would like to be baptized, uh, would you please see Pastor Scott? Pastor Scott, would you stand up? He's our online pastor. He's raising his hand. All right, right back there. See Pastor Scott. Make your way over to him. If you would like to be baptized or you know someone that you know would be, please let us know so we can let you know what all is involved in that. And it's going to be a great day. Amen. God bless you. God loves you. And I love you. Thank you for being here today. Give everybody the corona elbow bump and let them know they're glad they're here. All right. God bless you. You're dismissed. If we could get help uh, tearing down the chairs, anybody able-bodied that's willing. Oh, just the other side.